stuck in my ways. I'm stuck in the house for most of the day. I'm chasing my dreams and running away. But I got a chance, I'm running my play. I want the none of y'all take it away. I'll never change, I'm stuck in my ways. All right, what is going on today? So, welcome to another episode of Hey Mark, the podcast where I, Mark, get to have authentic and open conversations about things like mental health, pushing past adversities, whether that be in your personal life, your work life, some entrepreneurial stuff that you're going through, or maybe just your mental or physical health. At the end of the day, all I'm trying to do is push forward some good vibes into the universe and talk about overcoming the struggles that really just prevent us from getting through to that pursuit of happiness. So if you're brand new to this kind of content, then that's exactly what you're going to hear on a regular basis. So I invite you to please follow this journey with me and hear different perspectives from different individuals who have just gone through different struggles. And if you have heard this kind of stuff before and you're not new to this journey, then thank you so much for supporting this and showing people that no matter what they are going through, they're not alone. And the only thing I ask in return is that you please just refer this kind of content to a friend. Maybe somebody that's going through some struggles, has gone through some struggles, or just wants to push their life in a better direction. So today, I got to speak with Sarah Wright for the 16th episode of Hey Mark. And she is someone who is super inspiring. She really just likes to help people whether that's with fitness or just making better decisions and making better habits in their life. And she kind of talked to me about some of the struggles that she's been through, but I won't talk too much about it. Let's jump straight into this conversation. You can find Sarah on Instagram at Sarah Jessica Taylor, all one word, but let's jump into this conversation because I know you guys will enjoy it just as much as I did. Ready to go. Sweet. We're recording. All right. What's going on? I'm here with Sarah Wright. So we met actually as co-workers a while back working in a gym. She was a personal trainer there and I uh, just kind of worked there as management staff, making sure people were happy. But um, yeah, I'm going to let her do her own little introduction. You can find her on Instagram at Sarah Jessica Taylor. But uh, why don't you tell the people where else they can find you and what you're about? Hey everybody, so my name is Sarah Jessica Taylor and I am a personal health coach. I kind of coined the term a conscious health coach because one of the things that I came up with a lot in uh, my career as a personal trainer doing one-on-one and a lot of uh, online training as well was that um, many people are really concerned about the bottom line. You know, there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of really good people, but when it comes down to it, um, I just saw my peers getting really consumed in numbers and volume. And, um, I really didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be a conscious health coach and actually make sure that my client's health and personal well-being was always coming before me getting paid. Um, and that's really what kind of brought me into the space that I'm at now, which is where I do, um, some one-on-one training. I don't think I'll ever give that up because I do I do love that element of my job and uh, I do that here in North Vancouver Um, but I also do um, online learning modules with my clients I have an eight-week program that I take clients through uh, one-on-one where we kind of break down the barriers of the mental models Um, I have some uh, education background in positive psychology, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, I could go on with my credentials forever, but that's not the point that matters. Um, really what I try to illustrate in my whole philosophy is um, our life, we have an opportunity to choose our own identity. And we all have these barriers, myself included. Mark, I know you have your own um, you know, struggles that you deal with as everybody does. And um, I really want to encourage people uh, to take this life as an opportunity to choose their own identity and really consider who they aspire to be and how they're going to show up in this world. And I see my role as a coach um, to just kind of guide people through that process and, you know, share my experience and be very open and vulnerable, but what I've tried, what's worked, what hasn't, and provide people with the tools and the encouragement and the power to believe in themselves. So, no, that's kind of long and winded, but uh, it's hard to really choose one title that would uh, encompass what I am so passionate about. 
Yeah, because I feel like you've kind of, like, as long as I've known you, I feel like you've kind of, like, evolved, like, step to step, like, adding more and more to your repertoire. So, like, obviously you were doing things before we met, but I, I watched you kind of go from, like, personal trainer, and then you kind of saw what you really liked about it and then what you really didn't like about it, and you just kind of added more of the elements that you enjoyed. Like, like how can I impact these people more, and how can I get away from these stressors and I feel like you're just kind of growing and evolving. Thank you. Yeah, I, like I feel the same way. I think it's it's really important. Um, and it's one of those things I struggle with because I identify myself. I'm somebody who is, uh, I consider myself a high achiever. And I think my biggest fear in life is to not progress and not to grow. And one thing that I've had to reconcile a lot is that not everybody's like me. So as much as I think, you know, we all have to get better and improve and progress and change for some people, you know, they're very happy with where they're at and what progress looks like to one person is not necessarily the same as what it looks like to another. So just understanding those boundaries and respecting them in other people is probably one of the bigger struggles that I face because I do tend to, to push people into that higher tier of um, what I would consider achievement. But um, just being respectful, and that's why I think the element of, um, of, of counseling, of coaching is so important because you have to understand where your clients are at, where they want to go, but also... Uh, what their boundaries and limitations are like some people might be satisfied with just losing the five pounds they don't need abs right so I think it's really important for um, as a coach myself and you know for everybody to just understand that like my goals are not they shouldn't be put upon my clients what my goals are for my client you always have to help your client achieve their goals mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. I think that co like coincides with pretty much anything related to like happiness or anything like that, because mm -hmm. everyone's happiness looks different. Right. And I didn't realize that it. until like, I had a funny conversation with one of my buddies. We were talking about, you know, how each other spends money and we were like, Oh yeah, but you spend money ridiculously on this type of thing. But you would, but I would spend money, say I spent a lot of money on food and like kind of eating out and we were kind of chatting about it and then we both kind of realized it's like, well, dude, you're spending money on things that make you happy. And then you restrict yourself on things that don't. Right. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like, there's no right or wrong way to spend your money. There's no right or wrong way to be happy. Like everyone has their own kind of way of doing it. Right. A hundred percent. And I think, um, that's a really respectful, uh, thing to consider. It's very wise to recognize where other people, um, have their own filters and lenses of the world. And I guess that's the whole joy of a friendship or a coach. Cause I always tell my clients, you know, for this hour that we're together, when we do this kind of work, I'm not your friend. And, um, in many, uh, instances, I'm also not your counselor cause I'm not, I'm not your counselor. I'm your coach. So the difference there is, you know, you're spending all your money or you're spending all your time or whatever it is on, um, on things that make you happy, but so many times people will come and they're actually complaining. So that's where I love my job as a, as a coach, because it's like, okay, you say, um, you have no money, but you know, you blow it on all these things. And you know, if those are things that genuinely make you happy, why are you here in front of me so mad? So just peeling those layers back and getting to the root source of, um, you know, what is authentic happiness for you and what it is for you. Um, I think so many people in this world are just lost in um, the prepositions that they see from uh, society, from the way that they were raised. Oh, I have this expectation. I'll get a house. I'll have this nice job. I'll get X amount of dollars. I'll get the things that'll make me happy. And it's such a cliche, but I wish more people would understand that real happiness is intrinsic like it, it comes from here and all of these things outside are just um you know serving to validate what we are lacking so i mean that's the the kind of magic and the passion of where i i find myself today yeah so how did how did like this whole journey start for you like you're, like i kind of know you were doing <laughs> like competing you were in bikini before uh mm. before you moved to vancouver here and so I'm assuming you were a personal trainer before you got here. But like, how did you start getting into fitness? How did you start getting into personal training in the first place? That is a tricky one. Okay, so do you want to know first about personal training specifically or health? You coaching? tell whatever. You, 
you can you okay can there's speak. two stories you but i uh we're gonna have to open a tab here because sometimes i go on a tangent and i forget the first one so let's start with fitness i was an athlete my whole life like legit i think i could figure skate before i could i could walk so i was a very 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 competitive athlete um I never really had an awareness of the foods that I ate or even what I looked like. I wasn't super like conscious of these things. And um, I was uh, a, a good athlete for a long time. I did every sport you could possibly think of. And when I got to university, you know, the demands of, of school and, and working out, um, all of it, you kind of have to pick and choose. So I chose rowing and I was on the varsity rowing team. Um, that is a 50 week a year commitment. So every single day for 50 weeks out of the year, you only get two weeks off, one for Christmas and one in the summer. That's 5.30 in the morning. You are on the water for two hours, 5.30 to 7.30. So, and oftentimes for varsity you have an hour of training in the afternoon as well it's very 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 intense and the way that I do sports is kind of always to the point of injury um I take it as, as far as I can go and I did the same thing with rowing so you know I had some it's so weird like people have these stories of being bullied as children and I was never a bully and I was never bullied until I got to university and then in my second and third year university I went through, through some pretty intense bullying from the most weird people. It was from my crewmates. So the people who um, I spent all my time with, they're supposed to be your best friends, your family. You spend so much time with these people that you know them like your brothers and sisters. Like I can't explain how, how close the bonding is. And um, I was bullied by this group of people. So obviously it was devastating. I, um, I left rowing. I just couldn't um, be in that community anymore. And um, sports for me at that point and the whole capacity of being on a team was devastating because I didn't trust people. So from there, I, um, I stopped exercising. And this was kind of at the peak of, so we'll weave in story number two, um, my mental health um, distortions, if you will. So at the time, I had just been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I was going through treatment. I had been taking medications and going to therapy for about a year, year and a half. And I never realized the importance of exercise for mental health until I stopped rowing. Because for me, I'd always taken it for granted. It had been my entire life. So only when I stopped did I really understand how much that that was keeping me sane at the time. So things really unraveled quite quickly during this period of my final year of university, fourth year. Um, I was not exercising. I wasn't, I never ate well really until I moved to, until I moved to Toronto, which was maybe a year later. Um, anyway, so uh, I, I went through this span of, of time, maybe three, four years, but I didn't exercise really, um, really tremontulous mental health, roller coasters all over the place. It was horrible. And then when I was living in Toronto, something just came to the back of my head and I was at rock bottom and I won't go through the whole story, but it was, it was a dire, dire time. And I projected into my future and I just thought, I can't live like this. Like I can't live the way that I am now. This is not who I was born to be. This is not my potential. This is not my identity. I don't want to be this person. And if I choose that I don't want to be this person, then I don't have to be this person. And I decided I was going to take myself off medication. It took, it was definitely the hardest and worst thing I've ever done in my life was wean myself off medication because at that point I was taking nine pills in the morning, seven in the afternoon, 11 at night. It was all over the place. I was completely dependent. So getting off medication, I knew that I had to substitute those medications that were helping me uh, with something else. And that's where I turned to the gym. So I signed up for a gym membership for the first time. I think I was 23 at that point, 23, 24, and um, started exercising and I loved it. Um, at first, I just did cardio like every other insecure little girl hiding in the corner, right? <laughs> did some classes, hated it. Uh, and eventually I turned to, to weight training and I found a combination of, of weight training and a little bit of, of cardio, um, which I still maintain every single day um, because that worked for me. That was the, the precious little tipping point that was effective. So through that journey, um, you know, weight training, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I hired a coach. I became a certified personal trainer through the um, ESA, the International Sports Science Association. Mm -hmm. It's an online certification that is, is very good. Um, so I did all that. And uh, that's when I decided I wanted to try a fitness competition because, um, you know, my coach was okay. 
but um, this is a philosophy that I have for my personal work. And I think everyone should have it as well, because um, it's not hard to do a good job. It's not hard to be good at what you do, to be great at what you do. You just have to care. And it was very clear that my coach at the time was probably a great coach. He just didn't care about me. So that was kind of the line in the sands. And I thought, all right, I'm going to prep myself for a fitness competition um, because I know I can do this. Like I can apply the principles I can of the science of what I've learned through my certification. I have the experience. And uh, that was the Popeye's Fall Classic 2017. And I won my category and then I won the whole show, which was amazing. It was Unreal. It was incredible to be able yeah. to um, apply yourself in such a way. And just, it was one of the few times in my life that I can point to and say, that is a time where I can look back upon and use that as evidence. So I think everybody has these moments in their life, maybe not as clear or as um, celebrated and, and as large as that, but everybody has wins. And you have to have those wins. You have to know what they are. You have to pull them out of your back pocket. And anytime you have, you know, those self-doubt, negative beliefs, those things that creep in, you have to pull those trump cards and say, no, like you need to be a confident person because you have what it takes. You can apply yourself. And when you do look at what you're capable of. So that was kind of my fitness journey and um, real brief and in, in a more condensed summarized version. Um, I studied psychology in school and specifically I was really interested in neuroscience and sleep. Um, and that is kind of what helped me build the foundations of how I manage my mental health today. But, um, you know, counseling to me seemed lucrative and I did do um, some work in my university and a little bit in Toronto as well. And I was very frustrated by counseling as a whole because oftentimes I, and I, I say this as someone who has experience um, being counseled as well and still do, um, a lot of the times people go to their counselor and they're just looking for an answer. But uh, when you're in such a broken, fragile, hard, difficult place, um, it's difficult to hear a hard truth, which your counselor will ethically almost never give you. and um, you know, to take that direction and do the work is you're not in a place that's motivated enough if you're at your worst to really lift yourself up, right? So I was very disheartened that I didn't feel that I was being effective. I was good at listening, but I wasn't good at inspiring change. So that's how I got into personal training as a career, because here were people who wanted to lose 40, 20 pounds. They were committed. They were motivated. That were at the root's end. And then how I switch back to what I guess is health coaching, which combines the two of, of counseling and personal training, is that, um, you know, what holds everyone back from achieving their fitness goals? Why do you self-sabotage in your diet? Because there is an emotional component. There's something internal, internal that you haven't dealt with, some self-limiting belief that makes you feel that you're not worthy of your dream body, um, that you can't, that, you know, all these little things that creep in and that's a subconscious uh, belief that you need to identify and that you need to overcome in order to have the life, the body, the career of your dreams. And that's how I came full circle into fusing the two into what I now have as my dream career. Yeah, I was going to say two things. There was one thing that you said, um, like kind of once you did the show, you said that you could kind of like point back to it and use it as an example. Um, have you ever heard of David Goggins? Do you know who that is? Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. You read his book, of course. Yeah. I read his book and I've me. listened to a lot. Yeah. I've listened, I've, I've read that book and then I listened to a lot of interviews and have you heard him talk about his cookie jar principle? Was it in the book? Cause I would have read it, it but no. I'm going to need a refresher. So then no, it wasn't in the yeah, book. I don't no. remember. I heard him talk about it in an interview, but he talks about having like, he, he says it's like a mental cookie jar. So when you get into a spot where I like this analogy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says that he says that when you get into a spot where you're facing like a really big challenge and you don't know if you could go into it, you have to dig into like this mental cookie jar, and the cookies inside the jar are little events that have you've triumphed over something, and so you mm -hmm. kind of can recall like all these times of you know maybe I was dieting really hard, maybe I was doing a lot of cardio at the time, but I did it. Like I ended up doing it and I, yeah. and I'm fine now. I'm okay. So yeah. like you can kind of dig into this jar and pull out these little nuggets of gold that you've created throughout your life and just I kind of take note of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I think it's really so, important. 
Yeah, so I actually, you know, like I did the Popeye's Fall Classic two years before as a junior bodybuilder, and I only came fifth place. And I didn't do as well as you, but I always look back at that. Weird sport. <laughs> yeah, but I always look back at that, and I think about the actual training for it. Like, I'm like, dude, you know, I tore a muscle during my prep. And thinking about, like, all the different things I had to do, trying to figure out nutrition and it's like, dude, you did all of that by yourself. And like, it's something, at least the effort, like to think about, dude, you put in that much effort before and you weren't even getting paid for anything. So mm -hmm. like, you know, you can That's dig passion. deep. <laughs> yeah, you can dig deep and work hard throughout like something that you actually love. It's, it's kind of something that I always kind of reflect back on. So I could imagine like, dude, if you came first place, like I only came fifth place. To be able to and it's a back. win, but honestly, I think one of the things, and I, I've admitted this before, but I'll, I'll say it again. The Popeye's Fall Classic, the show that I won, was the easiest prep for me. It was the easiest because my body was in a very good spot. I hadn't been dieting. I hadn't been, you know, I've been loving my body. I'd been through some stress, you know, a, a life events and stuff, but I was in a good place. And I think anyone, anyone in your audience, if they're considering prepping, the number one thing you have to say, and it, there's never a good time, right? So let's be honest, like you don't wait for the perfect time. But if you're going through something, whether it's like, um, you know, a, a breakup or, uh, you know, you've got a poor relationship with food or you've been on a long cycle of yo-yo dieting and you've just lost 40 pounds. So now you think it's time to compete. No, you need to bring your body to a state of optimum health. Because the hardest show for me and the one I'm most proud of was the show that I did in 2007 or 2019 fall. I went to Las Vegas, the amateur Olympia. I did well, but in terms of did I fulfill my potential? No. And did I even make the top five? No. Um, so that was by, by placings, the worst show that I've ever, ever participated in hands down. And, um, it was also one of the best shows because for me, I gave a hundred percent. I was so committed. I found deeper, different levels of myself and that doesn't always necessarily mean that they're good. So I think that's the thing people are like, Oh, go another level. I found a layer of myself that was very, very scary. And um, that was a good thing for me to see because now I have a philosophy where will I compete again? Won't I compete again? Honestly, probably. I want to try wellness, but do I have to do that this year? Do I have to do it in 2021? Like what are the deadlines here? It doesn't matter anymore because the number one primary thing is that I bring myself mentally, physically, emotionally into a good place. And the wonderful thing about shows is that there's always other shows, but win or lose, you have to learn something from the experience. And what I learned about myself, my resilience, my potential, my character, so many people that were in, um, it doesn't matter what other people do. So, you know, comparing myself to so many people would have quit or whatever. The point is I didn't, I showed up. I wasn't my best. I gave the best presentation ever knowing in the back of my head that the physique just wasn't quite there. And I looked amazing. And I, I know all of the things that I could have done better or, you know, should have done better. But the whole point was what I got out of it mentally and how far it brought me into a place of, oh, I could be here now. I could be stuck here. I could lose my health. I could lose my mental health. And just having the inner strength and the resilience being called upon to do the hard thing. And I guess that's the, the lesson that we all need to realize from your experience pulling a muscle and still finishing and, you know, showing up strong and doing that. We need to have these experiences so that we can help other people. So well, in that moment, I might not have understand, stood why, why, why I was being, you know, I felt humiliated. I felt ashamed. I felt broken. And um, that didn't make sense to me at the time, given the effort and the passion and the commitment that I had made. But now I understand it because now I can take a place of empathy. I mean, as somebody who succeeded as a winner in Popeye's Fall Classic, what do I have to share with other people? All I saw was success. And if all you see is success, you have no experience of hardship that can actually help you be empathetic and relatable to the people because not everyone can win, right? So how are you going to help those who aren't winning? Yeah, yeah. And do you think that, do you think that because you said for the Popeye's show, you said it was like, it felt like the easiest prep you've done. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the fact that, you know, your body and your mind and, and you were kind of 
I'm assuming lower stress than than the uh, Las Vegas show. Do you think that that's all like has something to do with the fact that it went so well and the fact that you won? Like, do you think that that's think that's kind of correlated? A hundred percent. So I think the thing with the Popeyes Fall Classic is that my intentions were pure, and I think everybody needs to ask themselves this in anything that they do, whether it's competing or otherwise. Um, why am I doing this? And I ask my clients to ask themselves this, you know, five times, ask yourself, why am I doing this? What's my why? And then you'll get your superficial answer that you say to Mark or say to your parents or whatever. Then ask yourself again, why? You know, get to the bottom of the reason. Like, why are you doing this? For Popeyes, it was so clear. It was clear because I needed to prove to myself that I was capable. I needed to test. I needed to get over, you know, this belief that I wasn't a good enough coach because, you know, I hadn't got, um, you know, a degree in kinesiology because I wasn't like so-and-so who's been a trainer for 10 years. I needed to prove to myself that I was worthy. That's an intrinsic goal, right? With uh, other shows, it became about winning. And as soon as it becomes about winning or beating another person or getting something external, that's about validation, right? And nobody can give that to you except for yourself. So what happened after the Popeye's Fall Classic, most people don't see is, um, or didn't see, is that I was up here and I went deep down because all of a sudden I got, you know, attention and questions and, you know, validation externally that I wasn't expecting and I wasn't prepared for. I feel like, oh, you're so good. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not so good. I'm not special. I'm just your average person who applied myself and, you know, the things lined up for me. But I didn't need that to actually feel that it was a win. You know, if I didn't win the overall, I was already late. I won. The picture of me so happy is the picture of me winning my class. And even that, it's being in the top five was enough. That was enough validation, right? Being happy with your presentation and the way that you show up, um, that was the win. But for me, yeah, having that stress of understanding is my why from the outside or the inside. And when it's on the outside, you're never going to meet your goals in a way that is successful. When it's from the inside, you can't lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually, I really like that right now because I don't think that, I ever really had plans in terms of like competing again. I'm, my fitness is like a completely taken a 180. Like I went from, you know, lifting weights six days a week and maybe doing cardio once or twice a week to, you know, my training style right now is just like three times a week I'm lifting weights. And then every other day I'm, I'm doing like a little jog or a little bike ride, like mm -hmm. just kind of moving. Like that's kind mm -hmm. of where my fitness is at right now. It's I just, love hearing that. Like, yeah, moving and feeling good. Like, I'm feeling Movement strong because so I'm still important. lifting, but I feel way better. Like, I feel like my balance has improved. I feel like I can breathe better. Like, everything just mm -hmm. feels like it's moving through me better. It's it's good. I feel much better in terms of just, like, yeah, moving better and eating well. And I wish more people would be able to find a happiness in that spot, especially competitors, former competitors. And one thing that I learned from the last prep I did, um, you know, it's almost like I got all these messages from every cell in my body that just said, hey, you need to respect me. You need to respect me a lot more. And what you're doing right now is not something that you could be, should be, or, you know, is, is right for your body in 10 years from now. So I think we get very dogmatic, especially trainers or, you know, people in the gym who are you know doing the same routine that they did 50 years ago I mean if that makes you happy sure but like as someone who was a former athlete I again I said I, I took myself to the point of injury and then I switched sports right because that's what happens um, when you do that repetitive movement over and over again and you're just abusing your body um, I will never not lift weights I think there is such an incredible value, you know, not just from an anti-aging perspective, from, uh, you know, a metabolic perspective. There's so many, we don't need to dive into all of the, the amazing uh, side effects of, of lifting heavy weights, but um, there's a lot to be said about not just looking good, but feeling good in your body, being able to move, having a health status that is 
just as reflective on the inside as it is on the outside. And I can say firsthand, and this isn't the case for everyone. So it's not like a, you know, shame on bodybuilders because for some people it works, it really does. But just because that's what works for another person doesn't mean that it works for you. So for me, I love lifting weights, but I do have to have mix of circuits of cardio, um, rest days, you know, where I just go for a long hike or an easy bike ride. You have to respect your body and be able to listen to the messages that it's sending you in order to have any kind of longevity. Otherwise you are doing somebody else's dream, right? You're, you're following in their footsteps. And one of the things that came to my mind recently is, um, you know, the danger of, uh, understanding what is possible. So you see someone else, I see Mark and he wins a show and now I know it's possible right now. I know it's possible for, you know, if Mark can do it, I can do it. Of course you can, you can, you know, the four minute mile was broken and uh, all of a sudden everybody broke it. Right. So we all know that analogy, but I think the danger in that is just because Mark did it. Um, and that means I can do it. Doesn't mean that I have to do it the same way Mark did it or in the same time um, restriction that Mark did it. So Mark did it in three months. I have to do it in three months. And I think that's the problem, especially in the fitness world and in the weight loss community is just because Joe Schmo was able to lose a hundred pounds on, you know, this, this subway diet or whatever it might be, um, in three months, then I have to do it the same way in the same amount of time. Um, this is your life. It's your body. It's your health. It's your mind. And when someone shows you the potential, they, they open the door and they show you what's possible. I think it's encouraging to, to follow that and to believe in yourself and to know that you're capable, but also to find your own way along the way, because what works for somebody else is not going to work for you. And I wish that there was some universal truths I could share here, but the reality is the the best thing you can do is just go deep on your self-discovery journey and use the resources around you to kind of uh, try different tools until you understand what fits for you. Yeah. And I think that even like to go even further into that, like I, th I feel like just because like, say I see a peer or someone that I know do something, say they win a bodybuilding show or just say they like, I don't know, make it to the Olympics for volleyball, whatever it is. Right. It doesn't even mean you have to do that. Like you could just take their level of achievement and say, oh, it's so possible good. to achieve that high. And then yeah. I could do that in whatever I love. Like maybe, mm -hmm. maybe you're a painter and you're just like, you just paint houses. Like you could just apply that kind of effort into being the best painter and become a millionaire through that. Like it's, you know, you don't have to follow everyone else's path to a T either. You don't have to do it in the you're same You're completely pattern. right. And I think that circles back to like the happiness, right? Like what actually makes you happy? Because especially with social media, the way that it is, I mean, it's a love hate, right? Because you see everybody's um, at their best and very few people are expressing their, their true authentic vulnerability. And I do um, admire and, um, you know, congratulate is the wrong word, but um, I think it's very inspiring that you show who you are and your struggles and you're very open and honest with your audience. And I think the world needs more people like that. And I think that we'll see a shift, a definite, um, you know, change in, in what is trending and popular and who has the influencer voice um, as people just get sick of seeing the same glossy, overproduced, fake smiles. Because um, we, we, we bought into that for many years, you know, we, we bought into that for the last 10 years saying, oh, uh, this person's happy because they bought this product or because they, you know, they did a fitness competition, they got that success. So that must mean I need to do that. I need to follow in their footsteps in order to achieve that level of happiness and success. And we're, we're sick of that kind of advertising because we've bought into it. We tried it. We know it doesn't work. So what we, the world is, is parched for authenticity right now, for vulnerability, for realness. And, um, that's what I see as a, as a shift in trend, at least I hope so. But, um, I tend to be a very positive thinking person. So I do, I do aspire um, to see more of that among everybody, because I only think through, it, it is scary to be honest and to share your openness and vulnerability. And that's definitely something that I struggle with a lot as a coach. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was share from your scars, not your wounds. 
So if it's something that you're dealing with that still isn't healed, don't, don't share it because your audience is not your, not your therapy. Right. Um, but if you have a scar and something that you, you know, you've healed, you've worked through, um, it's no longer sensitive for you. Please do share what you've learned because you never know who out there is listening, who needs to hear that realness because we are all sick of opening up social media and just seeing you know, smiling, happy people all the time. And not to say that isn't good. Um, but is it authentic, right? Like I, I post pictures like that all the time, because I'm, I'm genuinely authentic. But there's a lot of times where I'm a lot moodier. And I, I want to show that to people because it's okay to I know this pursuit of happiness is ridiculous, because it's, it's fleeting, it's never going to actually arrive. And, you know, it, it's passive, you know, it's a, it's an emotional state, you can't, you can't have it. It's not yours. It's an experience. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a journey, not a destination. You just kind of have to enjoy the ride, right? Yep. <laughs> That's I love that. That was one thing that I kind of realized this year is like, uh, it's not like you're going to get to a point where you're just happy. Like it's not, that's not like how it happens. And it yeah. was, uh, Alan Watts, actually a philosopher that I, I kind of started listening to a lot when I was struggling quite a bit. He has an analogy he uses basically saying that, you know, it's kind of like a dance. It's like a dance. That's what he says. It's like a dance. So when you watch someone dance, whether it's like a, a duo, they're doing a salsa, whatever it is, it's not like the main focuses are where they start and where they end. The main mm -hmm. focus is all the actions in the middle, all of the little intricate movements they do. I like that. And how they kind of, you know, it's not about where they start and where the destination is at the very end. Otherwise the best dancers would be like the ones that just took one step. Like it would just be like, bang, done. Mm -hmm. the, the, the meat and potatoes is like everything that happens in the middle. Like it's the journey that happens, right? It's not where they mm -hmm. start, where they finish. It's, it's all the movements they do together. Right. Yeah. I really like that. Um, that's a good analogy. I'm going to have to remember that one. I always yeah. like to use the, um, the quote, very, very popular, famous, this too shall pass. And, you know, I think oftentimes people use that in negative situations. So they just know oh, this too shall pass, you know, hardship, all this craziness that's going on in the world, just, you know, it'll go away. But I think that's one of my favorite things to remember when things are going real, really, really well for me, because I think uh, when things are, are, are happy and, and good and uh, positive, we're, we're just trying to get more of it, right? It's like, oh, I'm happy. Okay, let's get more. And things are going so fast that you never really pause to appreciate that moment and to feel and to make it into a cookie or a golden nugget or, you know, a trump card in your back pocket for later. You're not really paying attention as sharply as you should be um, or you would want to be versus if you were negative, right? So we're so attuned to um, really fixating on what's negative that when things are positive we're not really paying attention and when I like ground myself in that phrase when things are really good I like to stop myself and remember you know this moment this happiness this abundance this awesomeness you know this also will pass you don't get this forever and that's okay so you know pay attention appreciate it download these memories save them for later so that when you're in your darkest times and you know this too shall pass, you know, you can call upon these moments vividly and just remember, you know, the world's a beautiful place. You've been up, you've been down, you have no idea where you're going next, but it is possible that you can be here again. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's uh it's pretty funny. It's it's really difficult. And what was I thinking about? There was something you said earlier. I'm trying to remember um, what? now. Oh, it was, I, I wanted to just say, like, I kind of felt like that as well, because what you were saying was when you were talking about difficulties about counseling and just going in and looking for an answer, it shot a memory into my head vividly of going in to speak to a doctor. And I pretty much just sat there for the first like 15 minutes and just started rambling off about you know, he started asking me questions about my lifestyle and my nutrition and, you know, how, how much I sleep and, you know, my relationships at the time, like with my family and loved ones. And we just kind of spoke for about 20 minutes. And then I was like, yeah, and I'm, you know, I just, you know, I can't figure out, you know, what's going on. 
And he came, he, he kind of said to me, he's like, are you looking for me to just give you like a, a one word answer? Like something that can just give you happiness. Like I don't have, I'm, I'm really sorry, but like, if that's what you're looking for, it, it won't happen. Like I'm willing to work with you, but you have to understand the reality of things. And I was like, mm -hmm. it was like a shock to me. I was like, this is someone that's actually being realistic. I was like, actually stunned. I was like, wow. Yeah. It, it was insane. Like if I think counselors and psychologists have among the hardest jobs um, for the longest time, that was my aspiration. And then I just realized, you know, from an ethical standpoint, you know, where they sit, they can't actually call people on their shit and give I've that. I've never kind had of advice, someone speak right? to me like that. Yeah. I've never had someone no. speak to me like that. He was the first one. I'm so thankful that yeah. because like yeah. if someone's sitting there saying they're that depressed or whatever they're going through to, to say something like that, he was like, dude, I can't give you a pill. He didn't call me dude, but that's pretty much what, yeah. his, what his rhetoric was, right? Like, he's like, I can't give you a magic pill. Like I'm willing to work with you to figure out where, where we can make some improvements in your life. But, uh, you got to understand, like, it's a process, man. Like, it's a journey. And, and like, I think that's one thing that most people, it's, it's, it's difficult when you look at the community of people who have been diagnosed with mental illness versus the community of just, like, I don't want to say normal, but, like, people who are not afflicted by a, 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 a medical disease who are going through a similar affliction and having similar overlapping symptoms and feelings um, because you know, in both circumstances, um, neither one of them is going to get out of that situation quickly. And I think uh, when you're talking to either or uh, one person, I mean, everyone's pretty desperate when they're in a situation like that. But it's, uh, it's heartbreaking to just ha to, to encourage people to have patience and um, to understand that while we might want to see progress, you know, it's not linear. Um, it could take years. It's going to take a lot of hard work and you're never really going to feel like you've arrived because it's not something that we can, uh, tangibly measure. It's not something we can quantify like weight loss or anything like that. So, you know, inspiring people to, and that's why I think being open and being honest with what we are actually going through, the ups and the downs um, publicly is really, really important because people need to understand, um, you know, just because you got out a little bit doesn't mean that you're not going to take two steps forward and one step back. Um, and to keep that collective support of a, a mental health community going so that people don't quit so that they don't fall backwards so that they understand they're not alone and um you know we're, we're all over the place no one's going like this on this kind of journey that's for sure so um i think establishing those communities is absolutely imperative just so we can have each other's backs and and know that someone is in our corner going through not the same thing but you know on the same type of ride at least uh, in the same theme park so to speak yeah, hundred percent. On that topic, you you've kind of moved around quite a bit. You moved to Toronto and then you moved to Vancouver. Oh, like, how man. have you kind of stayed? Like, are you going to stay in Vancouver? <laughs> no, 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 no. My my question was was going to be like, how have you like kind of built like a, a like a support group around you? Like, how do you kind of consistently network and make friends? Like, I feel like that's a tough thing to do. Like I, I've lived in Vancouver my whole life, so I, I kind of mm -hmm. take that for granted. But I feel like if I were to move around, like that might be a, a difficult thing for me. Yeah, um, I have to say that the the vibe, the atmosphere of now I live in North Vancouver. So when I speak, I can't speak for Vancouver downtown. I understand it's different. Um, but for me, moving first from Niagara to Toronto was a blessing because, um, you know, I was 23 and I had some friends um, from going out and partying, from working in nightclubs, from different, from the gym, from various different environments. And um, that was such, I was bullied in my final year of, of university. So I couldn't get out of Niagara fast enough. I just wanted an escape. I wanted to be a different identity, to step into somebody who could kind of shed that snake skin of a small town behind and be in the big city, so to speak. And 
the culture of Toronto is incredible. It's um, undeniable. Everybody is from somebody somewhere else, right? Um, there's almost no exclusivity in, um, you know, race or gender or like everyone is together. Like no one, no one cares where you're from. There's no segregation. Like there's, you know, there's different regions. There's, you know, an Italian region, a Portuguese region, a Chinese, but everyone blends, right? Because it's, it's all downtown. It's all together. So it's very welcoming in that sense. Um, and it's almost impossible to walk down the street, like Queen Street, without, you know, saying hi to a stranger. Now, in North Vancouver, um, total, complete, it was almost like a culture shock here, because personally, I found it to be very segregated and very isolating. And um, it took me a really long time to crack the shells of the people around me and also to just kind of open up to other people just because where I was at and the focus of my life was on my building my career on competing. I was very internally focused and I would say since I've got more confidence and I've grown more stability in my business and um, you know, my health is better. So my moods are fluctuating so much less that I'm not competing. I'm much more open to um, getting connected with my community. So we recently moved to Lynn Valley and um, we were in an apartment complex at Upper Lawnsdale before. And I find apartments a little bit, I don't know, they're, they can be isolating because people just come and go very quickly and, you know, you don't really stop to talk to your neighbor. So I found that moving into this community, it's a little bit slower and I really invested. It's funny, um, as hard as I push my clients and as um, horrible as I can be to them in that time that we are together. Once that, that time is done, that professional time, I have developed some of the deepest, most genuine friendships with my clients, which has opened, um, you know, a whole community of other people to me. Um, but yeah, I would have to say that the biggest challenge, you know, with, with moving around is just um, really being strong in your identity, understanding what your values are and how you're going to make friends. Um, the biggest struggle for me is I don't drink, like at all drink. Um, it's not that I, you know, have any specific reason other than it doesn't work for me. Like when I drink alcohol, it's a depressant and I get very depressed and that will usually happen for a day or two. It just doesn't mix with me. But a lot of our social constructs are built around alcohol and drinking and going out and eating food that um, I'm very picky eater, not in the sense of that I am restricted in what I eat. It's just that I like my food. Um, uh, my my partner is maybe an amateur chef. So I have a, you know, I just want it to be good, good quality. You know, I, it's hard for me to cross justify that experience. Um, so making friends, you really have to be sure of who you are and what your values are and not willing to compromise those. So, you know, um, being the first person to suggest, why don't we go on a hike instead of waiting for someone to invite you out for dinner? Because if you decline something like that, it puts you both in a socially awkward situation um, where, you know, maybe the person is insulted or they take it personally. But if I am the first person to put myself out on a limb and say, um, why don't we try this? Because that's something that I enjoy. And, um, you know, that there's an alignment with my values. We'll get to talk, um, just finding different ways to be open. And, you know, I've had a lot of awkward encounters just where, you know, it didn't work out and making friends is, you know, like being in a relationship. So you have to put yourself out there and be willing and ready for somebody to, um, to deny you or to, um, you know, not be for you. And I just think that the, the biggest thing that I've learned there is that, um, Everybody has their own filter um, of how they see the world. And 99.99% of the time, it's not personal. You know, I have rejected so many potential friendships just because I was in a closed negative space myself internally that I wasn't able to accept friendship, right? So when somebody um, does that upon me, I've learned that it's probably not a personal thing. And, you know, in some circumstances, I've had people come back around to you and I'm like, Hey, are you still interested in going for that hike? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but you just have to be very secure with who you are. And I also do maintain very uh, strongly my, my good close core group of friends. Uh, you know, it's kind of no transition for me with uh, the global pandemic because um, most of my friends I speak with on the phone. So I haven't really lost too much of that connection that I know people have been suffering with because not having that face-to-face -face time, um, it is very, very hard. That was probably one of the hardest things from moving from Toronto to Vancouver. But, um, you know, 
we work around it. Yeah, when you live across the country from your friends and stuff like that, you kind of have to adjust to like speaking over the phone or video chat pretty quick anyways, I guess. But you have to make that a commitment. So that's the number one thing that I've learned is that, you know, if these are people you really care about, I mean, even a three hour time difference for me, sometimes that feels like a lot because it's just getting the schedules right. And sometimes I can be snippy with my friends because we'll have a time and then they'll have to change it. But just be empathetic and understand that the world is crazy for everybody right now. So, you know, I rescheduled this appointment three times on you, right? But uh, well, two times, third time's the charm. But uh, that that's kind of the reality of the world. And just understanding, again, it's not a personal thing. Like when people shaft you or whatever, but making that a priority to put it on your schedule or to follow up, although you might feel awkward, you know, learning to apologize is one of the strongest things that I still suck at but I am it's one of the best things I've ever gotten better at yeah yeah in terms of maintaining relationships yeah I used to be the type to kind of avoid those things for sure I didn't want to have those weird conversations I've realized that the way that like you feel awkward about it beforehand is I feel like the the only reason you feel awkward before it is because you just don't ever have those conversations. I've noticed that like once I was like, you know, say like, for example, like having to reschedule something like having that awkward conversation before I would have wanted to avoid it. Now it's like, well, the, the outcome I want is still available. Like, mm-hmm. Like we can both still be happy. Like, why don't we just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like understanding, being able to understand that you know you can apologize to someone and say hey you know what this isn't going to work for me right now let's do it later and then on the reciprocating end it's like hey you know what that's okay like yeah we could like mm-hmm. there's no time restriction like you said there's no time restriction on anything we set our own restrictions mm-hmm. right yeah. so and i think that's a good point you touched on too it's just like it feels uncomfortable because we're out of practice mm-hmm. we don't have the skill right so it's okay to be bad at something. And I think that's something that I've learned definitely in the last two, three years is just giving myself permission to suck, you know, to not be, to not be great, to embarrass myself, to fumble. And uh, when you're making those mistakes, I mean, it it is humbling. It's, it's, uh, it's, it makes you feel very uncomfortable, but oftentimes, I mean, that is literally the the description of growth, right? So if I want to be better, I have to be beyond my comfort zone just a little bit. So if I'm always playing in this field of, well, whatever, this is what I'm used to and this is what feels good, um, I'm not getting better as a person. And that's not okay with me. That's not in line with my value. So, you know, putting yourself into these uncomfortable situations while you're learning the skills. Uh, One of my favorite quotes is, you have to forgive yourself for not knowing what you didn't know while you were still learning it. So if you don't have the skills of apologizing, it's going to feel really difficult, really awkward the first couple of times you need to do it. And you're going to suck at it. You're going to be, you know, insincere. You're going to bumble. You're going to make excuses. But, you know, the next time you'll improve. And that's, you know, the joy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's it's kind of funny because, you know, I'm, I'd say like an adult, I'm 24. So, yeah, I could confidently say I'm an adult, you know. I think that that's an adult thing. And I think that's very wise for 24. I think that this is like the, thank you. I think this is the first year that um, I've actually been able to like, when I mess up, just be like, Hey, sorry, I did X. Like, it's like without an excuse, just own it. Just own your action. Just without being like, Hey, I I had to do it because of, you know, this or that. It's like, Hey, such a I fine line between excuses and reasons. That's such a such a tiny mar- narrow margin there. But I don't even um, think yeah, there's just a being able to say to just say this is you know this is what I did, and um, I think that's always something that I've really struggled with, but only recently come to acceptance is um, you know you have to own your actions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you are your actions. It doesn't mean your your mistakes or your excuses. But you have to take responsibility at some point. And it's only when you take that responsibility, you can move past it, right? But if you're constantly, you know, you you can go two ways, you can either be in denial, or you can just be consumed and just think that your identity is your mistakes. And neither one of those things is true. It's somewhere in the middle, but you have to have that awareness, that responsibility of of taking, um, of taking responsibility. Sorry. Yeah, I think, 
yeah, you got to own your actions, but you got to own everything like win or lose, right? Like you got to take, like we said, you got to take uh, account for your wins, throw them in the cookie jar, but then also take account for your losses and be like, well, what can I learn from this? Yeah. You yeah. You can't be in denial of either one. You can't just deny all the bad and just look at the good. You also can't deny all the good and just look at the bad and be like, oh, I have to work mm. on X, Y, and Z all the time. Like it's like, yeah. dude, you do have to take account for the good as well. I feel like that's something that I forget to do sometimes. I'm like, dude, you know, sometimes it's okay to just relax. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I'm still learning that one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's... Uh, relax? What? What does that mean? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, who are they? What's that? I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's funny. I always feel like... But you know what, though? I feel like sometimes if you don't relax, this is something that I've noticed about myself. If I don't relax then I'll get stuck in kind of a loop of, you know, being super busy, but not like productive. Mm. If I don't take and a relaxation. Back, yeah. If I don't it's take a lot a like happiness, back, right. Different mm. for everybody. So how you relax, how I relax. I can't tell somebody, you know, it, people are like, Oh, light a candle, take a bubble bath, go to a spa. I'm like, no, that does not work for me. I think the last vacation that I took where you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be chill and lie on a beach. I successfully sat down for 10 minutes. And after that, I was like, okay, what can I do? Right? Like, it's just, and that's not me. And that's okay. But some people, like, they need that time to relax. They need those bubble baths and the candles and, you know, the nothingness, the TV, whatever it might be. But I think that understanding that there's no right or wrong, oh, there's some ways that might not be conducive to your well-being that people would do for relaxation. But again, you know, that's a personal strategy, just like happiness. And I think that's the whole amazing joy of life is this never ending journey of personal discovery. But you're so right. If you don't give yourself that time, um, you know, who are you serving? Yeah. And I feel like sometimes you just need to recalibrate. Like, I feel like sometimes you need to take a step back and look at what you're actually busy with and be like, is this actually taking me steps towards what I want to do and where I want to be, who I want to be. Like sometimes you can just keep accepting, you know, different jobs or just keep accepting different responsibilities. And you're like, dude, I'm working 24 seven and I feel like I'm just not doing anything like taking that. That's one of the biggest. Yeah. Sorry. That's one of the biggest things I work on with my, my clients now is just understanding you know, when you look, I don't know if you use an agenda or a calendar, but I highly encourage people to to do so even at, you know, a bare minimum layer, whether it's a book or an app, because once you fill in and you get accountable for your time on a daily basis, you can look through that list very clearly and see, um, you know, whose dreams am I fulfilling here? Am I just busy for the sake of being busy? Or is this fulfilling my life purpose? Is this something that resonates with my values? Or am I just trying to get by? Am I just trying to fulfill, you know, something else? Is anything on my schedule right now, anything on my calendar for me or, you know, for my life vision? And, you know, when you see that, when you see like those hours allotted in that time, it's so clear to see what changes you need to make and see, you know, who you're living for. So love my calendars. Yeah. (laughs) That, that in and of itself is like my takeaway from today, just to actually oh, see like awesome. what you're spending your time on and where I needed that. So I'm really thankful for that <laughs> right there. That was a golden you're welcome. Yeah, the last hey. few weeks, other than just doing a little camping trip with a couple of buddies, I've just been kind of stupid busy and I, I feel like, uh, yeah. And that's okay. That's good. You know, it's, it's in a season, right? So mm. I think sometimes people can misconstrue that advice. It's like oh, every single day I have to be doing something that progresses my dreams forward. And it, I mean, if that's the mentality that you want to take away from it and you apply that and it works for you, good for you. Personally, I do try to do something every day, but it's a little something, right? It's 20 minutes commitment of, you know, my future life or whatever. But um, for other people, like you just have to do, you know, a quarterly assessment or a monthly assessment and just kind of ground yourself like where do I want to be in five years who am I who am I trying to become am I doing anything for the person I'm trying to become or am I just doing something for Mark today right and that's okay if you're just doing something for Mark today just know where you are just know where you are and you know in a month just say hey could I uh you know I'm really busy right now and you know I got to make this money and that's okay but like how will I know when I'm done and when it's time to switch gears when do I get to transition into my future life self 
because all we have, you know, all we have is my, um, my catchphrase for my, my company one day, it's spelled W O N D A Y. So the whole idea behind that, um, and the theme of it, the motto, the company, I don't know what it's called manifesto. It's own the now because you have this moment you have now. What do you, are you aware of it? What are you doing with it? Who are you giving that moment to? Um, is it your past self, your future self? Is it to somebody else, right? We have this moment now and we want to win it. If I can win this moment, I can win my day. I can win my week. I can win my month. I can win my life, right? If I take responsibility for the time before me presently, what am I doing? And it's okay if you're wasting time on social media, because maybe that's a signal from your brain, your body that you need a break, right? Maybe the reason we procrastinate or we overwork is because you need something, but tune in to what that is and what you need from it. What is the deeper message? Like, why are you doing the things you do? There's nothing wrong with those things, but often they're a signal that, you know, you need to address something. Uh, so that's kind of where I like to go with it and encourage people, you know, there's something in front of you don't judge it good or bad. Just ask yourself, like, what is this telling me? What is this giving me a message? What do I need to, to do with this time so that I would be happy at the end of the day with, with myself and where I'm going? Wow, that's huge. Because I'm someone <laughs> that gets distracted, like, so often. Like, I'll, I'll find myself maybe, like, scrolling through my phone while I yeah. work or things like yeah. that. It's huge to actually... I get mad at myself and I'm like, come on, man. And I'll like kind of throw my phone on my bed or throw it somewhere else. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I got to like lock this thing away, but then I'll just get distracted with something else. So it's actually interesting that you say that I'm kind of just digging deep right now into my head. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. true. Maybe sometimes that's just your body sending you a message. Like take a break, have a nap. Like, I don't know, do yeah. something. Give yourself you. permission. Yeah. <laughs> get mad. I think that's the one thing that people don't do enough is two things. They don't give themselves enough breaks. So throughout the day, I'll take 10 breaks, They're like five to 10 minutes, but I will literally stand up, do something. And a break is not opening social media because mm -hmm. that's distracting your brain. It's pulling you into something else. A break is like literally just being present with what you're doing. So when I finish this call, I'm going to get up, I'm going to tune in with my body. I'm going to do some stretches, some deep breaths. That's my break. Then if I want to go on social media and, you know, write a caption or something, then that is considered work right? That, even if I am scrolling, right? But I also think, and then the number two is people need it. So that's managing your transitions. And number two is like, read those signals, man. If you're not taking those breaks, if you're not managing your transitions, um, you're not giving your brain, I don't know the statistic, but it's something like, uh, you know, what we used to 20, 30 years ago, all the information that was available to the president of the United States 30 or 40 years ago, right? So the person with maybe the most information in the world and access to it. Um, we now as individual, Yojo, you know, can't Sarah from Canada, just average person, I get access to all the same amount of that information in 20 minutes, I can access more information than the president of the United States. So how much information, how much my brain is scanning, how much is coming in, right? I'm overwhelmed. If you don't give yourself a break, your brain is going to force that break. And it's going to force that break in the form of a distraction, a procrastination. It just wants to do something that is mind numbing, that is completely like indulgent, that gives it that hit of dopamine because you're not giving it rest. So all of the chemicals in there, all of the, the things that your brain needs to do to be stable and balanced and in a, in a function of homeostasis, which is where it wants to be, it can't do if you're bombarding it with crap and never giving it a second to rest. It's just not optimized. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I like, I needed that right now. I'm really thankful that we had this conversation. Thank you. This is perfect. Yeah, me too. Sorry, I got a little passionate there, but I, No, no, that's I just wish people perfect. it's it's okay to take a break. It's okay to take a break. It's not bad. It doesn't mean you're lazy. It's like, you know, you're you're it's sending you a signal. I need some rest. And um I wish we could respect our brains and bodies more because um, you know, just because we have this culture, you know, and, and I think it's changing. I, I do see it shifting and I'm very grateful for that. But just this, you know, overload culture, like I have to, you know, even myself, I'm wearing so many different hats and maybe that's just what culture is and what our society is promoting. But like, that's also ridiculous. You know, who said 
I have to be 20 different things. Why can't I just be one thing and just be happy in that one thing? So, um, you know, giving yourself permission to, um, and it's such a a frustrating, beautiful world and a beautiful life because um, I'm never going to get to do all of the things that I want to do. It's just impossible. And being okay with that and just saying, you know what? I love dancing, but I don't have to take ballet classes. You know, I can just dance for my own enjoyment. I don't have to be a dancer. And just giving yourself that space and honoring the fact that there's a lot that you need to learn to say no to in order to actually be the best of who you are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, yeah, I definitely know what you mean because sometimes I, I bite off more than I can chew. Sometimes I want to, you know, be the best. Like I try something, I'm very like, uh, very impulsive in that like I try something I start to love it and I'm like this is my thing now this is uh, this mm-hmm. is me dude yeah. I, I always and we sh- do love novelty you know it's yeah. important to to weave that in but also know you know you don't have to do it all you really mm-hmm. don't yeah absolutely and definitely just to kind of focus on you know a couple things is probably going to make most people I'd say happier because then you can actually start to pursue them, get better at them, face challenges. Have some progress. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You nailed I, it. I need to digest that for a bit. I, uh, I think it's coming up on noon here. We've been recording for over an hour. I'm going to start to wrap things wow. up here. That went by fast. Thanks, it always Mark. does. It was good. It yeah, always it does. Really good. This was awesome. I'm really, really happy. I'm really thankful. Yeah, thank you for your time. No, no, thank you. But your your job's not done yet. So what I'm going to get you to do, I get everyone to do this as well. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. But uh, shout out your... My favorite. Yeah, shout out your social media. Tell people where they can find you one more time. But I, I, I'd like you to wrap things up by just sharing a little positive message for the world. Just share a little positivity for people. Okay. So if I were to... You you can do you. Okay. Um, Okay. So I guess we'll start with my social media because that'll be easier. I know Mm -hmm. that. But it's like, it's a lot of pressure. It's like your your final words, Um, which it is. So my social media is Sarah Jessica Taylor um, with an H. I don't know how else you would spell that, but it'll be tagged in in marks. So um, there I really share a lot of vulnerability and my heart and my brain and everything that I go through in the captions. So please, you know, read a caption. I, I understand what is provocative for images on social media. So, you know, some of that's up there, but really what I, my heart is, is in the words that I write. Um, I love writing more than anything. So I, I have a blog, um, that is, uh, it's one day, W O N D A Y.ca. And the link to that, that has its own Instagram page. It has links straight to the blog. Um, it's in my, my profile in the bio. So that's, that's pretty easy to find there as well. Um, and then I guess the last thing that I would really like to leave people with, um, it, it comes from a lot of the work that I do um, as an NLP um, practitioner and coach. And, and that's really helping people understand that the stories that you have now, a lot of those are programs that we decisions that we decided identities that we created when we were under the age of 10 we were just kids you know um so the most inspiring part of my job is always when somebody realizes that you are not your thoughts and a lot of the thoughts that you have come from a place that is so well intentioned something that you know is is really about your survival and your well-being and it cares about you and and being the best but it's your it's your job it's your responsibility and it's your your privilege as an adult to go back and and reconnect with yourself and who you are and say thank you thank you so much for trying to keep me safe and and all of this and I respect that and I see where that came from and I'm grateful but I'm an adult now I'm somebody else you know, I can, I can let go of that. I can move forward. And when you do that, you are so unlimited. You get to choose, you know, who you want to be and the actions that you take. And really when you understand that nothing, nothing is impossible. So those are my final words. Thank you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. Honestly. Oh, it's my pleasure. Sincerely. Thank you. All right. Well, there we go. That is all. Thank you guys so much for watching this. And thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me. Take care. Thank you, Mark.